Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello there, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode. Hope you're having a good morning or afternoon or evening, or whenever you're listening. Appreciate uh, your faithfulness. Uh, Mark chapter 11, we're in verse number nine today, talking a bit about the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And uh, we talked a bit about his intentionality, how that he went and found or had his disciples go and find that cult that was tied and they took that cult in fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. And now Jesus is poised and ready to enter the city of Jerusalem, a very volatile situation because six weeks before, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And that event was a great dividing point. You can read all about it in John chapter 11, in which many people believed on him. This has to be the Messiah. How else can we explain this resurrection from the dead? And yet the religious community led by Caiaphas decided, nope, we got to get rid of him. It's better for one man to die than uh, for the whole country to, to die. So he should die for all of us. Now, that's kind of an ironic thing that, that Caiaphas said, because indeed Jesus did die for all of them, just not in the way that Caiaphas thought. Caiaphas' thinking was, he's become so popular, this is going to cause Rome to take notice, we're going to get in trouble, it'd be better just get rid of him so that we can maintain the religious status quo in the city, and we can continue to make all of our money. Remember Caiaphas and the others, they were making all kinds of money on these feasts and on the exorbitant exchange rates in the temple, and we're going to get to that. So, this was a volatile thing here as Jesus is entering into the city, causing this great hubbub. People are shouting and there's a great messianic expectation. Remember that Passover was already a passionate time. Uh, all of the Roman authorities would be uh, on site during Passover because they just want to make sure these crazy Jews don't do something radical. So Pontius Pilate, even though he would typically stay in Caesarea and by the sea, he's in town. Uh, Herod uh, Antipas, who's over the region of Galilee, where Jesus is from, he's in town. Why? Everybody's in town. Why? Because the population of Jerusalem is swelling by two and a half times its normal population. And there's a great fervor going on as people are thinking about Passover and escaping Egypt and the destruction of the Egyptian army and Pharaoh and the deliverance of God. And anytime Passover came around, people are thinking about, oh, we are praying for deliverance from Rome and our Messiah is coming. Remember, at the Passover feast itself, they would leave an empty chair. Every family would for Elijah. Why? Because the Bible teaches that Elijah will come before the coming of Messiah. So this was a time when Everybody is thinking about the coming of Messiah. So for Jesus to get this cult, for Jesus to get on this cult 
and a great symbol of, I am the Messiah, this is really going to get people pumped up. Look at verse number nine, Mark chapter 11 and verse number nine. And they that went before and they that followed cried saying, Hosanna. So this is actually a quotation from Psalm 118 which is the the last psalm that they would sing on the night of Passover. In Psalm 118, uh, they would cry, save now. That's what Hosanna means, save now. Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is a a messianic attribution that we understand that this is our Savior. This is our Messiah. So when people were crying that, walking in front of Jesus, walking behind Jesus, casting their palm branches down on the road before Jesus. This is a a, a huge scene. Look at verse number 10. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. So there's no mistake what these people are claiming. There's no mistake what Jesus is is signifying. And that is, this is Messiah. He is coming. We believe him to be this Messiah. And we are quoting the the verses that apply to it here in Psalm 118. So there's no doubt uh, what the implication of this day is. Now, remember, the religious leaders do not want any part of this. Most of these people that are crying this are other pilgrims that have walked to Jerusalem And now as they're walking on this Sunday after a Sabbath day rest, Jesus just spent Sabbath day in in Bethany. We read about that. We will see it in Mark 14. We'll see it in John 12. Uh, Jesus is now entering the city. And the Bible says in verse number 11, and Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, And now the eventide was come. He went out into Bethany with the 12. Kind of a nebulous verse, isn't it? Verse number 11. Let me read it again. Jesus entered into Jerusalem. So this is after the triumphal entry. We know from the other passages in the Bible that that triumphal entry, Jesus wept as he made his way down uh, what we call Palm Sunday Road, as he made his way down the Mount of Olives. He wept over the city. Because why? Because he knew that they really already in their heart had rejected him. He knew that they weren't understanding entirely what they were saying. He understood that these same people that are crying for a Messiah that they want to come really aren't looking for a suffering servant. They're really just looking for somebody to help them get away from Roman oppression and Roman taxation and and religious oppression and they're really not seeing it for all of what it is. Jesus weeps. But the Bible says that when he gets into the city, he he looks up, he, he entered into Jerusalem, into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things. So it's almost as if he's doing a survey trip. He comes in, he looks at the temple. He's just carefully looking around on all things. He's observing. He's observing the way people enter the temple. He's observing the way that the religious leaders are taking advantage of the people in the temple. He's looking at how people are worshiping or not worshiping in that temple. 
He's just taking note. He's watching. He's going to do some rebuking tomorrow. He's going to act upon what he sees later. But for now, he's just looking and watching. There's a great principle there for all of us, is there not? And that is before judgment, before action, there is evaluation and inspection. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Before there's judgment and action, there's evaluation and inspection, looking around how things are going. Now, he's done this many times. He's come to Jerusalem many, many occasions. But it's almost as if he's giving it one last opportunity. He's giving them one last chance to to act accordingly. And what he's finding is that nothing has changed. You know, one day we will all stand before Jesus Christ and the judgment that's rendered, whether it be the judgment seat of Christ for believers and where our works are judged for the matter of reward or loss of reward, or whether it's the ultimate great white throne judgment in which all the dead and death and hell will stand before Jesus. Read about that in Revelation chapter 20. Now, whatever the judgment is, we can know that the judgment of Jesus is righteous and true. Why? Because he has preceded his judgment with inspection. He knows. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. He has given us a space of grace for repentance. And I find so much right here in verse number 11, just in the little nondescript statement that he looks around on all things. And it must have taken some time because the Bible says the very next thing he does at the end of the day is to go back, verse number 11, unto Bethany with the 12. So apparently that's where they're staying uh, for at least some of the days of that week. Uh, They're staying in Bethany. It was in Bethany that uh, they had spent some time in the house of Simon the leper. We'll read about that in Mark 14 when we get there. So Jesus had some places he would stay, maybe the house of of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who also lived in Bethany. But whatever the case may be, this is, it seems to be, at least from Mark's gospel, it, it just seems like this is the rest of that Sunday. He goes into the city, he looks around on all things, and he comes back out of the city and stays in Bethany on that night. So, uh, what what lessons can we learn from this triumphal entry day? I think, first of all, we need to be looking for the Jesus of the Bible. One of the reasons why they missed Jesus on that day is because they weren't looking for the Messiah of the Bible, the suffering servant, the one whom they desperately needed. They just saw him monolithically. They saw him only through the lens of what he could do for them in a temporary political military way. And he's so much more than that. So look at Jesus through the lens of what scripture tells us about Jesus. Don't be fickle. Don't one week say, oh, Jesus is my everything. And the next week say, well, he didn't do what I thought he would do. So therefore crucify him because these people proved to be very fickle. Did they not? Number three, be aware that the Jesus one day in front of whom will stand is a Jesus who today is inspecting, a Jesus who today is looking around. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we are to examine ourselves and that then we would not be judged. Judge ourselves. Let a man so examine himself. We need to have a spirit of 
self-inspection, to say, Lord, I invite your inspection upon my life, and I want to make ready and 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 uh, ready changes in my life as you reveal things to me. That's what David prayed in Psalm 139 when he talked about, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know, know the parts of me that I don't even entirely know myself. Try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, show me things about me that I don't know about me. As you look around in my life, as your spirit does its inspection, as his inspection, as the word of God searches the cracks and crevices of my life, oh God, may I be sensitive and submissive to what you show me. I know that's a little bit of an application today, but I think it's an application that we need. I'm going to go ahead and quit there. Verse number uh, 11. And we're going to come right back to verse number 12 next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. Thanks for listening in today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.